who's ever started something and started it more than once? Who's ever done that? Have you ever started a book and like, and you've read like maybe a few pages and you're like, I'm going to get through this book. And then three weeks later, you're like, oh, let me pick up the book. And you're like, I forget the beginning. So then you, you go back and you read a few pages and then something distracts you. And then a couple of weeks later, you pick it up again and you're like, oh man, I got to, let me go back and read the intro again. Has that ever happened to you? It's so easy to start and it's so hard to finish. You ever, if you can put up some of those pictures, Andy, like when you get one of these things, like I'm going to start this. He, he looks very happy as he starts it. And then maybe you start it and you, something distracts you. Someone in the house calls you and maybe an hour later you go back and you're like, what was I doing? Where did I start? And then you maybe have a face like that, like a little bit confused. Uh, that's Ikea uh, instructions, by the way, if you haven't caught that already. But um, there's something that happens when we want to start something. It could be anything. And then we always feel like we're we're kind of backtracking and going back to the beginning because we haven't just like slowly walked through whether it's the book, the project, um, you know, putting something together. And there's a phrase I'd like to come back to at the end of the message, but I want to throw it out now. And it's this, a long obedience in the same direction towards the finish line. Like it's easy to start, but to, to, to grow, to work through something, to put something together, to get through a project, often, would you agree it takes this? A long obedience in the same direction towards uh, the finish line. Today, if you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn to um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. And we're going to read a little bit into, verse, uh, into chapter 6. Um, and we've been walking through the book of Hebrews together. We started back in November, took a break um, during December and January for a couple of other teaching moments, and we're coming back to it as of last week, and now we're going to continue in Hebrews until Easter. And it's, uh, you know, it's a wonderful thing to walk through um, a letter uh, in the Scriptures together or a portion of Scripture together, and we, we do that very often at Westside. And it's different than a topical series because we often let, try and let the scripture speak to us and teach us rather than trying to find a theme or a topic uh, through that. So that, that's, what, that's how this series will continue to work through as we work through this, uh, this letter together. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, let's read from that. Chapter 5, verse 11. It's going to be on the screen as well. And just before we jump into it, last week uh, we discovered uh, you know, just the beauty and the, the meaning of what it, meant, it means for Jesus to be our high priest. Perfect priest, priest forever, gives us a hope now and into eternity. And as the writer explores that, he, the writer wants to continue that theme, but he pauses. And this is what we're reading in this kind of parenthesis. Ever read a book and then it's like, wait a second, let me just, let's just pause what we're, where we're headed and let me fill you in and then we'll continue? That's what the writer does. So we're kind of reading a parenthesis uh, in Hebrew. So let's read it. We have much to say about this referring to what we talked about last week um, and in the previous chapter. We have much to say about this, but it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death 
and a faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and are subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those whom it is farmed receives a blessing from God, or the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed, and in the end it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him, help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Let's pause and pray. Ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, um, we invite you in this moment to grab a hold of our hearts, our minds, our attention. Um, We invite you to speak by the power of your spirit um, to us. Lord, what Whatever you long for us to hear, to grasp, um, to convict us, we, just, we say welcome to that right now. In the name of Jesus, amen. You know, we, we learned something about the readers here. If you've been tracking with us in this series, little by little as we've been reading Hebrews, we've been catching a sense of who the readers are. And I encourage you to go back to listen to our podcasts uh, on our website and on iTunes to, if you've missed that and read through some of the early chapters of Hebrews on your own. But we learned something here because we've said that, that the readers who are getting this letter have hit some obstacles in their spiritual journey, have hit some obstacles or maybe some persecution or being marginalized and feeling the struggle of following Christ in their culture. So we, we've learned something different about them today in this section because it's not merely the obstacles from the outside that are hurting them or that are stopping them or that are hindering them. It's not just the outer issues or the culture or society or pressure. In fact, it seems like what the writer says here, there's this inner struggle that's going on in, in them. And as they have maybe hit a wall in their spiritual journey, and it's something that cannot be fixed from the outside, that can only be addressed from the inside, and that they must address personally. They're at this standstill in their spiritual growth, it seems, and the life that God wants to work in them. And the author thinks it's so important to just pause and say, let's kind of clear this up. You know, before we move forward, before we, we, we continue with this, before we, I keep teaching in this sense, let's pause. And he, and he or she, whoever wrote this letter, because we've discovered that we don't know the author's name, says this at the beginning of what we read today. You no longer try to understand. Verse 5, verse 12, chapter, chapter 5. You no longer, it's not there, we'll, we'll just wait a bit. You no longer try to understand. Has, everyone, has anyone ever told you that? You've been working through something and they say, they say you know, um, I know you can do this. Maybe it's a teacher, a manager, a parent, a friend. I know you can do this, but you're not trying. Has anybody ever told you that? You've been walking through something like that? Or, I know this is in your reach, 
but you're just not moving forward. You've just given up. Or maybe I know this is possible for you, but you're not interested in learning. Has that ever happened to you? Where you're you're starting something, you're moving in a certain direction, but you're at a standstill, and someone notices from the outside and says, you can move forward here, but you're you're no longer trying to understand this. And so you're, you're hitting a wall. And it has nothing to do with anything on the outside. It has something to do with you. I, I had uh, the opposite experience this week, meeting um, uh, someone in our church community, a young parent. My wife and I were chatting with them this week uh, in, in an environment, and, and we were talking, and they were just describing to us how they, were, how they had struggled um, to help their child, their young three- or four-year-old child, just kind of grow in, in a certain behavior, um, boundaries, uh, characteristics, personality, and they were struggling. And, and if you are a parent of a young kid, at times what you want to do is just, at times you just want to give up and say, ah, whatever happens. Now, you know, you, you know in your head you shouldn't do that because you're thinking like, what will that mean when they're 15 and 25, right? But in the moment, it's tough, right? And so sometimes you want to give up. But speaking to this parent... They were not satisfied with just the way things were. They, they didn't, they didn't want to just be that parent that just gave up. So they, they wanted to learn. They wanted to grow. They wanted to figure out what they could do. And so they, they did learn. And they, they read a book or two. And they talked to a mentor. And they, they shared with parents who were older with them and said, What can we do for our child so we can help them in this specific area that we know is going to be an issue for them as they grow older? And in, a fa- in fact, those parents were saying, we don't want to settle for what is. We, we want to grow into what could be, and we want something better for us as parents and for our child. They did the opposite of what the writer's saying. The writer's saying, you don't want to understand anymore. You don't, you don't care to grow. These parents did something different. They said, no, we want to grow. We want something to change. And that's... Think about where we are in Hebrews. The author presses pause on his sermon. This is like a big, long sermon that the author is preaching to this early church community. Presses pause, and he wants to go further, wants to go deeper, but there's this problem. You know, the author's frustrated with, with, with the, spirit, the stunt of spiritual growth in his readers. They're stuck. So if you look at some of the frustrations from, from verse 11, it's hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. They're stuck. In fact... Uh, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. The author saying, you're, you're stuck, but it has nothing to do with the persecution on the outside. It has nothing to do with, with the struggle that you're facing. It has nothing to do with, with whatever's going on in your life. This is actually something that possibly is right inside you. So here, that's the frustration. They didn't want to move forward. How many of you ever took Cal 1 or Cal 2? Like, yeah, a few of you. Calculus is like a really hard math subject. And I made it through Cal 1. I don't think I made it through Cal 2. But uh, thankfully, I, I didn't need to go higher for other things that I needed to do in life. But here, here's the thing. It's kind of like, like, you know, the math teacher's teaching and he'll just stop and he'll look at like five or six students and say, you know what, uh, we're just going to pause here because all of you here, you need to go back to Cal 1. Because you, you didn't learn it. Did you take Cal 1? Did you do that? Here, I have this little, this little piece of equipment. Who, know, who knows what this is? 
this is like, you know, it's, it's, what do you officially call this? Anybody? What? Abacus? Really? Like the character from that book? Abacus? The... Anyways, Abacus. So this helps kids count. It helps them learn, you know, how to count like one white bead, two white beads, three white beads. So, but what happens? Imagine you're in a grocery store and something costs $2. And then you're like, I want to buy two of them. Do I have enough money for it? And you're stuck. What's two times two? What's two times two? And then you pull this big thing out of your purse, right? And you're like, well, there's two white and two yellow, so now we have four, right? Imagine you did that. That would kind of be weird, right? That's kind of what's happening spiritually as the author's thinking about, the, the reader's thinking about this church. You know, the point is, you have, you, we, we want you to grow further, but you haven't even, you're not passing, growing through some of these early stages, of understanding your faith. There's this vision for the readers to have the, grow in the beauty of relationship with, with God and the exciting life that God wants to lead them into and the incredible impact that each person will have as they let the Spirit lead and they grow in what it means to follow Jesus. But they're still stuck on some nuts and bolts. They're still stuck on some early instructions. They're still stuck on the abacus for spirituality. And they can't get past the basics and the, all the amazing things that God has in store. And they can't find the resilience and strength to get through the obstacles that they're facing on the outside because on the inside, they haven't worked, been working through their, their spiritual growth. And there's this vision, chapter 6, verse 1 says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. I love that verse. And be taken forward to maturity. But let's move on. Let's move beyond some of these pieces. They're good, they're important, but let's move forward. First, let's just kind of check out these pieces because the author says, well, there's a foundation here. And if we keep reading in in verse 2 to 3, if you go to the next one, we ask the question, what are the basics? What are the basics? And, and the author says, well, we don't want to just lay down a foundation again, but here's the foundation. So think about this. Here's a question. What was the early church growing in? What was their basic foundation? What was their basic understanding of this new life that they were starting in Jesus? Well, here's a, a short list. Maybe not the long list, but a short list. So not laying a foundation, the foundation of first, repentance from acts that lead to death. So one of the foundations of faith, one of the basics, is that when someone begins to follow Jesus, they make a U-turn. They, they are fall, their life is, is living uh, acts of death, things that lead them to death, that lead them to not maybe literal death, but death in their sin, death in their behavior, death in, in the choices they're making. And following Jesus is like, this life is leading me to death. I'm going to turn around, which is repentance, and I'm going to follow Jesus and walk away from things that lead me to death. For some people, they're so good and perfect, but they use that goodness to try and get God on their terms. So acts of death can also be all the good things we do to leverage God's love for us. And turning around is saying, I'm not going to use like moral good to force God to love me. I know that that doesn't work. I'm going to turn away from that dependence and I'm going to follow Jesus. So one of the foundations of following Christ and becoming a Christian is repentance from acts that lead to death. Another one is a faith in God. 
part of the basics of following Jesus is that we have come into faith. It's not that we know everything about God. It's not that we figured everything about God out. But God, we've discovered that God has done something so extraordinary in the grand story of human history through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we've put our faith in that. So Ephesians tells us that by faith we are saved. By faith we come into a relationship with God. Then the instruction about cleansing rites. And for Jews, they would have caught what cleansing rites means. And that would have been similar to what first century people would have understood as baptism. To, to be baptized, to, to go through the waters of baptism was a spiritual cleansing in, in a sense. And so when someone chooses to get baptized... And we've had baptisms here where someone goes in the water and comes out of the water. That is not a physical cleansing, but it's representative of what happens when we die to our sin and we die with Christ and are buried with him and we raise to new life. And so baptism is one of those foundational pieces of following Jesus. The laying on of hands. In the early church, it would have been common that as someone comes out of the baptismal waters, as someone gets baptized, uh, the community comes around that person and lays their hands on that person and in a sense says, we welcome you to the body of Christ. We welcome you to God's kingdom community. And so this would have been one of those basics. And the belief in resurrection from the dead. that, That one day... Jesus promises not only he rose from the dead, but we will rise with him into eternity. And then eternal judgment, that there is a judgment coming, that God is a good but also a perfect and just God, and he judges. And so when we ask the question, what should we know by now? What, what would a, a follower of Christ, what are the basics? And we read this. Now here's a question. I, I, I read through this and I thought, I bet you there's many of us in our church community that wonder, do I even know this? Like, and don't worry, there's nothing to be shy about. Think about it. Like, th- this seems like a, like a list, even this small list of saying, do I, know, do I know this? Do I understand this? And yet the author's saying, these are some of the basics. So it's a question on us, on me personally, as a believer, but it's also a question for our church community. Are we helping people? grow in this. And that's something we need to answer as well. So what should we know by now? Here's another question. What should we experience? What does it mean to experience uh, beginning a relationship with Christ? Well, well the author continues and, and talks about it. He says, it's impossible for those who have once been enlightened, so come into an understanding of who Jesus is. And look at this. This is an interesting list. This is not what you know. This is what has happened to you through the gospel. Who have tasted the heavenly gift. That's salvation. Who have, who have tasted that, that God is not only good, but that he has done something in Christ to rescue us. And we don't just know it, but we've experienced it. We've tasted this heavenly gift of salvation. There's something here. Those who have shared in the Holy Spirit. In other words, we get this sense that when we've chosen to follow Christ, we're not by ourselves, but God's very own Spirit comes and indwells us and lives in us and guides us and leads us. And that happens to everyone who follows Jesus. We share in the Holy Spirit. We, his Spirit leads us, guides us, dwells within us. Jesus promised that in the Gospels, and we see the fulfillment in the book of Acts, and we see the church being led by the Spirit and believers being led by the Spirit all the time. And then those who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God. So, so the Scriptures or the Gospel or the stories of Jesus or the promises we read are not just words off a page, but we, we taste the goodness of God's Word. We realize this is a good word. This is, this is transformative. This is something that I need. This is something that I cherish. 
And so we taste the goodness of the word. And then lastly, the powers of the coming age. There's a hope that's deposited in us. We know what's coming. There's something certain about the new creation that the scriptures point to, that one day God's kingdom will be in full reign. And we see glimpses of it today, but one day it'll be in full reign. And we have, there's powers of the coming age that we have tasted. We know it's coming. When we begin to follow Christ and his spirit indwells us and leads us and guides us, there's a hope that's deposited in us that is like any other hope. We know that new creation is coming. And so, think about these two lists. It's a beautiful, it's a beautiful summary of what someone begins to understand as they follow Christ and what someone experiences as they follow Christ. So the author is saying, that's the foundation. And imagine, the author is even saying, but there's more to that. We, we want you to grow more. We want you to experience um, life in Christ. Not just know stuff, not just the initial experiences, but we want you to grow in that. In other words, the author is saying, don't just stay there. Move past it. Get beyond those basics so you can truly live. And the challenge is to keep moving forward, to keep growing, to keep moving towards maturity. And so the question is this. If what we just listed, some people might say, well, that's great, you know. I'm going to just stick with that forever. The author say, no, there's more to that. And there's more about those things that are not just meant to know them and tick them off a checklist. There's something bigger that God has in store for you. And so we ask the question, what is maturity? And the author says, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ, what we first initially know, what we first initially experience, to be taken forward to maturity. To be taken forward to maturity. So the question is, what is maturity? So, you know, I had the little, the little table, right? Like, I mean, if you've met an accountant... A mature account, accountant wouldn't use this, right? Like, this wouldn't sit on their desk, right? Like, a mature accountant would probably be able to figure out this stuff, like, pretty quickly, right? And so a mature accountant would not only, not only that they would figure that out, they'd also see things and understand things in the numbers that is not just about calculations, but there's a maturity that comes with working with the numbers that is helpful. So when you meet a mature accountant and a really good accountant, you know that they've passed some, they've, they've gone beyond the basics, when you meet a mature musician, and so you go to a concert. So let's say you go to like a, you know, maybe you don't even like him, but let's say you go to Justin Bieber's concert and you see like, like the guitarist in the background. You know, my wife years, and I years ago saw Celine Dion in concert. Their band was phenomenal, right? And so the bass player is doing these crazy lines and, and the, and the uh, you know, like the guitar player, this incredible lick. Now imagine, imagine they pull out this sheet. Like, you just go to that sheet. Imagine you... So you look at this guy playing this crazy line, and then this is music notes, okay, for all of you. And when you first start to learn music, you want to learn the notes. And on the, on the lines, these words are, every good boy deserves fudge. That's what it means. So the first line, oh, let me remember, what's that third line note? Every good boy, B, okay. So imagine the guitar player playing with Celine Dion has to pull that out. That doesn't work. That doesn't happen, right? Mature musicians... Like, they just, they flow in the music. They, they feel it. They know what's going on. At some point, they learn that, like in their first year. But then they went beyond that. A mature manager or leader understands how to work with people and how to share vision with people, how to care for people on their team, when to be patient and when to challenge. 
There's a maturity that comes, right, with growth. And in the same way, the author's saying, I want you to move beyond the basics and be taken forward into maturity. And so we want to ask the question, what does it mean to be mature in Christ, right? Now, the temptation is, for many of us, well, I just, I guess if I know more, then I'll be mature, right? If I can, if I can articulate this doctrine, if I can quote this verse, if I can tell you chapter and verse where the Apostle Paul said this, like, some will say that is spiritual maturity, if we, can, if we can dissect big theological and philosophical arguments, then that is maturity. And I think, I think the temptation is that our picture of maturity is to know more things, to memorize more scripture. And that's good to memorize scripture, but sometimes our temptation is that. See, knowing more doesn't equal maturity. You've met really smart people, but immature. Who's met smart, but Immature people. Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Um, who, who, who admits that? No, I'm just joking. Um, who's met an intellectual but unwise person? Who's met an intellectual but not very wise person, right? We've, we've met people like that. Who's met a very academic but... <laughs> no pointing, okay? Who's met an academic but insensitive person, right? We've met, right? We, so, so we get that maturity doesn't equal knowledge, and knowledge doesn't equal maturity. Now, knowledge might be a path to maturity at some level, right? If it's in a field, an accountant has to learn certain things to become so used to looking at the numbers. A musician has to learn certain things. A leader has to learn certain things. A Christian needs to grow in certain areas, and we don't want to reduce Christianity to a field of work by no means, but Maturity isn't just knowing more. I would say maturity is understanding and integrating. We often say at Westside, listening to God and living out his purpose for your life. Listening, understanding. Yeah, we could use the word knowing, but sometimes the word knowing will make us think it's only information. But maturity is about understanding and integrating. And I want us to just... Um, just throw these, these three words up. The first is to, under, to grow in our understanding of God's big story, of God's message, of, of the scriptures. And, and the writer here in one of the verses, I think it's early on in verse 13, he talks about being acquainted with righteousness. That, that, that we would move towards a place of being, what it means to be mature is to be acquainted with righteousness. Righteousness, sometimes we'll think righteousness means doing the good thing versus doing the bad thing, right? So we often, some people might say, well, in the early century, you know, the Pharisees were righteous because they did good things. But understanding or being acquainted with God's righteousness is bigger than that. It's about God's justice. It's about what God wants for the world. It's about God's vision for what it means to be human and what it means to, to live out God's values in his kingdom. So to understand or be acquainted with righteousness is to really understand the message of God's story. It involves knowing certain things, but it's way more than just knowing. It's about being rooted and immersed beyond the information in God's righteousness, his justice, his purposes, his big story that we read throughout the scriptures, his message so I think maturity, one of the ways to grow in maturity is to grow in understanding. Don't stop at knowledge, but move towards understanding. Um, one of the things I love, like that I like to do, there's, you know, 
here in my Bible, right here at the front, I have like our, the reading plan we have on our, on our website, and I'll just prove it to you. It's right there. It's kind of, I kind of, kind of follow along, and I, I'll be honest. I'm like tomorrow. I'll be behind three days. If that's okay. But the point is that it's just that's one of the ways that I try and grow in in understanding. But one of the ways I love to grow in understanding the message of of the of the scriptures is to see the whole picture. So, so these days I'm reading through something called Through the Bible Through the Year, and it takes me from creation to new creation um, almost every day. And, and it helps me get a bigger picture so I can find myself immersed not only in a verse or a doctrine or some piece of information, but in God's bigger story. And then like right in here, like I happen, I like to use a journal, and it's really messy. You probably wouldn't even want to try and read it, but that just helps me like write down the things that God impresses on my heart. That's not just knowledge. Sometimes it's like, oh, this is really cool. I never saw this. But often it's like, how does this put me into God's story? Where am I challenged these days? Am I living this out? Am I not living it out? Am I understanding or is it just information? And there's ways to grow in understanding that helps us move towards that. Another piece is, in this is not just understanding, but it's discernment. So, so chapter 5, verse 14, talks about those who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. So being mature is not just knowing stuff, it's actually discerning. It's to distinguish what is good, what isn't good, what's right, what's wrong, what is healthy, what's unhealthy. I know people who can memorize and tell you, quote, scripture, but they haven't dis- discerned well. They haven't discerned God's path for their life. It doesn't mean that we never fail or we never sin. But knowledge doesn't equal discernment. A mature person grows in discernment. Godly living. Understanding leads to discernment. Immersion in God's story shapes our hearts and our minds so we can discern in our relationships, in our work, in our finances, in our choices, in our actions. And then the next piece, I think, is to live it. Maturity is not, even not just those first two, but those first two culminating into this, that we would live out God's story, that we would live out God's purposes. The values, the healing, the blessing, the witness. Chapter 6, verse 7 says, The land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful for those whom it is farmed, receives the blessing from God. In other words, the one who receives the gospel and lets the gospel pour over them and then produces fruit in their life. It's living it. Chapter 6, chapter six verse 10 says, I love this. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work, meaning they've done something, and he won't forget the love you have, show, you have shown as you've helped his people and continue to help them. In other words, when we live out God's story, love is one of the characteristics. If we are growing in maturity, we grow in love. Let's say, let's, let's be a people who move beyond the basics, being taken forward towards maturity. And when you combine these, understanding, discernment, living out God's story, what you have is growth and maturity that is way beyond information, that is way beyond just knowledge. But knowledge is somewhere in there, but it's beyond it. And then what happens? Maturity becomes an attractive life. Maturity becomes a fruitful life. Maturity becomes an impacting life. I mean, I love learning. I love knowledge. I love reading. But when someone tells me, we need to grow in maturity, uh, you know, like we need to dissect this doctrine, I'll say, great, let's dissect the doctrine. 
but then they neglect the person who's just starting to follow Jesus or they haven't cared for their neighbor, I'll question, I'll say, what is your view of maturity? Is your view of maturity articulating the doctrine or is your view of maturity living out God's purposes in your life? Learn doctrine, but move towards life. I love what N.T. Wright says here when he pieces this together. He says, to be proficient in understanding and using the entire message of God's healing, restoring, and saving grace. And when you put it that way, God's healing, restoring, and saving grace, that's so much more than just information off a page. There's There's beauty and depth and purpose and excitement and vision in that. So we want to grow in a proficient understanding in discernment in life using the entire message of God's healing, restorative justice, his saving justice, and then maturity becomes this this attractive life. So let's just kind of really move briefly. I'm going to invite the team to come up as we we, uh, move towards a close here. What's the path towards this? We said it at the beginning. The path towards maturity is a long obedience in the same direction towards the finish line. That we would slowly, day by day, week by week, year by year, be immersed in God's story, be immersed in his purposes, grow in understanding, grow in discernment, grow in living out his purposes. And I love verse 12, and I think verse 12 just captures it for us as we bring it to a close. The author says, as he's getting close to finishing, almost finishing the parenthesis, the author says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Through faith and through patience inherit what has been promised. A long obedience in the same direction towards the finish line. What's been promised. And moving forward is having faith, trusting in God's work, knowing that God is at work. It's the gospel that does this. Tasting that heavenly gift, tasting the goodness of his word, sharing in the Holy Spirit. You cannot manufacture that. That's by faith We trust Jesus and we start to experience what he has in store for us. That that can only be grown and experienced through faith. But then, through patience. Through patience. Through our effort, our work, our journey in our spiritual growth. Nurturing this gospel seed that has been planted in our hearts only by God. But then we nurture it. We can never earn what God does for us. But it doesn't mean that we, we never put effort into growing the kind of person that God has called us to be. And so our effort is learning through God's story and living it and moving towards these pieces. Now, here's the obstacles. And I know for sure there's, there's some of us here that are probably maybe even saying this. I don't, I, I can't understand some of these things in the Bible. Or I don't feel like learning. Or I don't, I cannot be bothered to read a, a sentence <laughs> anywhere. Or I hate, any kind of learning. And I'm not saying that we need to become like, like scholars. That's not what the message is about. But there's an obstacle, I think, that raises up in us. It says, but I, I don't want, I don't care, I don't have time, I, I'm too lazy to do that maybe, or I don't understand. And I would say this to, to those of us who maybe raise that obstacle, is do you want to just kind of stay like at the basics? Or do you want to grow into what God has called you to be? Do you, does it mean that you have to read 10 chapters of scripture every day and be a theologian? That's not the point. The point is, do you want to grow? Like that parent we, I talked about earlier, they just said, I don't, want to stay, I don't want to stay that parent. I want to grow into a different kind of parent. I don't want my child to remain there in their behavior. I want them to grow. 
And so they, they said, I need to do something. And so in our spiritual growth, we've got to ask the question, will we move forward towards maturity? And just like a seed that, that grows automatically, then we nurture it as a gardener, right? So it's so awesome. We throw the seed in the ground, and we know, we know that there's nothing we can do in our own power to make that seed sprout. Because the seed actually is made to sprout, and the gospel in us is made to sprout. But we also know, if you've ever worked in the garden, that you don't just leave your soil. You don't just leave your garden. You, you help it. You nurture it. You water it. You, you pull out the weeds. You, you move it around a little bit because you want it to slowly kind of get towards something, right? That's the point. The point is to move forward. And um, that's going to take faith and patience. So you guys can start as we just read this last verse. Read it with me off the screen. It's Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. I think Paul brings this together with us for us so well. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So that's both faith and patience. That's both God's work and our work. That's God has done something in us and then we respond and we want to we continue nurturing that. And, and I love this because yes, we are called to work on our salvation. We're called to move beyond the basics. But here's the beautiful thing. It's God who works in you. And, and check this out. To will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I would promise you this, that if you enter into a path in the same direction towards the finish line and you slowly nurture your faith and, and, and get a grasp of God's story and get into some practices that will grow you, I, I bet that it's, you're going to find this energy you never had before. And that's God's work that continues to build that, that you want to continue growing and moving forward beyond the basics towards a maturity that will be an attractive life that is, is life-giving and impacting and, and relationally glorious with God. But to move forward with it. So that's my challenge for you today. And as we, we're going to take communion as we close this morning. And as I was thinking about communion, I thought, Jesus is a genius. Because Jesus, here he is, he's heading towards the cross, something that only he could accomplish for each and every one of us. So he's sitting with his 12 disciples, and he says, listen, this is where, where I'm headed, but we're going to have this meal here. And, and uh, as he breaks the bread... He says, listen, this, uh, this, this bread is, as I break it, I want you to know this is like my body broken for you. My body being given, sacrificed for you. And then as he pours the wine, he says, this is like my blood that will be shed for you that only I can do for you on the cross. But then he says this, do this in remembrance of me. Continue doing this. Engage in the practices that will nurture what I'm going to do for you in you as you continue to grow. And so even right now, as we take communion this morning, we are nurturing what God has already started in us. And so we do this practice and we come to the table and we break bread and we pour wine because God has called us to work out our salvation as he continues to work in us. Does that make sense? Let's stand as we, as the team leads us in this song, I'm going to invite you to come and take a piece of bread and... Um, a glass of wine and, uh, and as we do that this morning to be mindful of God's work and to be mindful of our work to be mindful of what only he could have done for you which he did on the cross and mindful of the things that we can nurture and move forward in as we take these elements together so if you're uh, again if you're here maybe this morning and you haven't made a decision to follow Christ um, 
then I would encourage you just to abstain and listen and watch um, and ask the Lord to be speaking to you. But if, 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 you've, if you're following Christ, if maybe you've made a decision recently to follow Christ or maybe even to be baptized, we'd encourage you to come and take these elements uh, together with us. And so as the team begins to sing, we just normally split the room in half and you can take uh, the elements here. Now, let me warn you, we're, I think we might be short. So in the end, it's short of cups, because just looking at the crowd. Now, if we're short, then we'll figure that out, and we'll ask a couple to share, and then maybe you can pass your cup around, okay? It's like a family meal, right? That's okay, and uh, we can figure that out. But let's come and begin taking these elements as the team leads us. Wonderful Savior. And we also say, oh, what a king. Wonderful Lord you are. You are our Savior. You are our king. You are our forgiver. You are our leader. We trust your forgiveness. And we trust your authority. God, lead us into the kind of life, the kind of vision for life that you have in store for us. God, we, want to, we, we treasure the basics. We treasure the foundation. We treasure salvation. We treasure the heavenly gift and the sharing of your spirit and the goodness of your word and the hope for eternity. We treasure that. We treasure, God, the, the decision for repentance and a decision towards baptism and the immersion in baptismal waters. God, we treasure that. And, and God, we treasure all the beautiful things that we have, we have come to believe through Jesus. And even beyond that, God, you want more for us. So take us, take us towards maturity, God. Lord, we trust in your part in this. Your grace and spirit working in us. But may we respond with our part. May we be nurturers of this gift. May we be um, pursuers of understanding your great message. Lead us towards discernment and living life to the fullest in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.